Welcome to Trade Wins. I am your host, Tara Solberg, the founder of Few and Far and Indigo Love, two halves of one thriving business. I am a South Coast girl from a small town, and when I launched my business over 10 years ago, I had no idea what I was doing. What I did have was passion, drive, and a commitment to learn as much as possible on my way. I will take you through each chapter of my unique business story. You will get real insight into the lows and highs, the trials and triumphs, and the many, many lessons learned. In fact, I will share all of the things I wish I knew when I was starting out all those years ago. So consider this your personal invitation to take the first step on the journey of a lifetime towards owning your own business. Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of the Trade Wins podcast. If you've been tuning in over the last few weeks, you may have heard me and also Danny, lucky Danny, (laughs) speaking about the challenges and the different experiences that we've faced, especially in the early years of building our business. So it's It's nearing the end of the year at the moment. We're in September, so coming up to that kind of end of year rush and that busy period. And so I thought it would be a really good time to speak about like more of the challenges that we had faced in the lead up to this Christmas period, as well as some of the, I guess, experiences that we had over that period, but also some of the really major rookie errors we made in those early years of trading and how we've grown from those experiences and what we've actually gotten, what value we've actually gained from them. So as you know, um, or, or you don't know, all of our stores are in regional areas. So for anyone who is, lives in a regional area or in any of the regional areas in particular that our stores are located in, so Huskisson, Berry, and Barrel, these areas are exceptionally busy over the Christmas holiday period and Easter for that matter as well, any of the holiday periods. You know, it's the kind of busy where... The internet goes down, the phone lines sometimes get congested, you know, the caravan parks are overflowing, every holiday house is rented out, there are people everywhere. (laughs) So it's such a busy time and there are so many opportunities that you need to prepare for in order to make the most of that time. But in order to do that, you really need to make sure that you are prepared and well planned. So just a recap on the journey so far. So Danny and I had left our jobs at Ocean and Earth, the surf company where we were graphic designers. We had opened our first store, Few and Far, in Huskisson in September 2009. And then we were approached by Pilgrim's Cafe to open a second store also in Huskisson, which we opened in August of 2010. And that was under the name of Indigo Love. Slightly different, selling some clothing and a mix of sort of lifestyle items. We'd had that famous Chinese container delivered in the main street of Huskisson and we'd experienced so many, um, I guess, challenges that first year in business and kind of navigating our way through those. It had been a real learning experience. But so the business was really traveling along nicely. 
We were both, well, Danny and I were both working seven days a week. I was working in Few and Far and Danny was working in Indigo Love. It was pretty exhausting. We were really tired, but it wasn't so bad because we didn't have to start until 10 o'clock in the morning. So we did have a bit of time in the mornings to walk the dog and for Danny to go for a surf and all those sorts of things. So it sort of didn't feel too kind of stressful um, but it just was a bit a bit exhausting because it was every day but you know we did get to drive to work together each morning and we both really valued that drive together because it gave us the opportunity to talk to each other and I remember the conversations they were always kind of excited uh, energized conversations talking about what we thought might happen that day in the stores or the different ideas that we could introduce into the business or the stores and how we could merchandise or how could we continue to evolve or what new product could we buy or what product could we possibly source that would you know where we could possibly get a better margin and all those sorts of things different versions of products that we already had the conversation was basically endless in terms of what we could talk about or what excited us to talk about Having and I know having our and Danny has mentioned this before, um, and he's you know he makes a note of it several times that having our own business gave us this new refreshed sense of energy and enthusiasm, and he always remembers those drives to work and even the ones that we did on our own where he's sort of daydreaming about different things. But yeah, just that that. Um, it was just such a rewarding feeling and it didn't sort of it was it was a very different drive to work let's put it that way being your own boss but the thing was like not only were we excited by the fact that we were doing what we loved but we were also making money so But for us, I know it's never been about the money. It wasn't all about the money. And I do often think about this, especially when times are tough or I begin to question what I'm doing or I think, why am I doing this? Like I'm so tired or I'm exhausted or I've been working so hard and life could be a lot easier if I just worked for somebody else. (laughs) But then I just seem to do it again and again and again. And I just keep doing this to myself. And every time I'm like, why am I doing this? But then I realize why. And I know that and I think back to, you know, when I did work for somebody else and why I did and like why I ended up making that leap to work for myself. And it definitely is the most rewarding experience you could ever imagine and I will keep doing it again and again and again and all of those hard things and then I'll I'll probably ask myself why again and again and again (laughs) but I've realized it's all about the challenge and a feeling of accomplishment and achievement it's not about the money although the money is a nice I guess bonus added bonus on that but 
Our passion for interiors and sourcing unique pieces, traveling and adventure has always come first. Money is a bonus, but saying that, if we were constantly feeling defeated or like we were going nowhere and not making any money, then I can imagine and I believe that that passion would burn out really quickly. So the fact that we were making a living doing what we loved was the ultimate and the absolute best feeling in the world and I can definitely recommend it. I know um, back in the figuring out your finances episode with Mel, Bra- with Mel Brown, we spoke a lot about this struggle to build personal wealth. And like, I know that you're constantly reinvesting into the business, especially as the business makes money, you just have to reinvest it to buy more stock to make sure that the business keeps going and that you can grow it to a, you know that certain level. But because the business was profitable, we were slowly making ground and we were able to use the business to leverage our growth, which was exactly what we should have been doing. And what kind of gave us confidence and what pushed us to keep going or to keep pushing further was with every win or every success that we had, it would give us the confidence to keep moving in the direction to follow our goals or whatever it was that we wanted to plan for the future. And so, yeah, it's all of those little wins that you have. If you can kind of keep those going, then that's what will keep you going in terms of pushing that momentum to move you forward. But I know coming up, obviously opening the store in September, that was kind of right before the Christmas period. So preparing for the first Christmas holidays was a huge learning curve for us. Huge one. (laughs) I had no idea how busy it could be. I mean, I was a local, so I should have. I should have had an idea. But when you are a local in these areas, you kind of tend to stay away, which is why I don't even know why I didn't think about this, but you kind of tend to stay away from the main town, like area of town because it's so congested and it's so busy and you just want to kind of keep to yourself and stay away from everybody and go to the beach and all that sort of thing. So, you know, even though we lived there and we, we kind of knew how busy it could be I I never really expected sort of the I guess the retail side of things to be so busy I don't know why it was very vague and naive of me but um yeah big mistake there something I didn't really factor in factor in um but so during this time obviously it's that really feel good time everybody's in a great mood they're going out for dinner they're having drinks they're having late breakfasts all those sorts of things they're spending the day at the beach they're walking up into the shop with sandy feet and you know salty hair and it's yeah something I was really jealous of because during this time you are going to work really hard sometimes you wonder what you're doing. Have you made the right decision? Like all of your friends are at the beach and socializing and you're stuck at work. 
in the heat because they're often really hot days or you're staying back late to tidy up or to re-merchandise the stores and then getting up early again to prepare for the, a big day the next day. It's non-stop and it's constant and it's really, really tiring. So you really have to kind of mentally prepare for that. Um, I'll never forget uh, a, a, some friends of mine when I was working back at Ocean and Earth, in the very early years of working at Ocean and Earth, um, some friends of mine, they had their own business and they had a cafe. And I never forget walking in there one day and we'd come up off the beach from wakeboarding or surfing or whatever it was. Like I really looked forward to my weekends and really wanted to sort of make the most of my weekends. And there was no way that I would ever sacrifice them. They were really important that time. And we walked into the cafe for lunch and I just remember seeing her in there and she would, she'd she been working all morning, obviously, and having a cafe, like really early mornings. And it was packed in there and she was she sort of came and said hello and she looked so exhausted and, you know, tired. And I was like, you're crazy. I'm just thinking she's so crazy, you know, working and not being able to spend time at the beach and all that kind of thing. And I'm thinking ah, I couldn't do that. But you know, that was back then and I was quite young and naive and I never had really thought about or understood the concept of owning your own business. It's, it really is all about mindset because, you know, you will survive and you will get through these periods. It's not like this every day. And, you know, while you might be missing out on a couple of days at the beach or something, like for all I knew, she probably had and she most likely would have had like an overseas holiday planned for you know a couple of months of the year down the track so that would be her rest and here I was whinging about the couple of days I missed out on at the beach (laughs) so yeah it's really about mindset you've just got to focus in on that period make the most of it you will survive and you will be able to take the time to rest but that's the reality of retail as well you really have to make the most of those busy periods of the year But again, looking back on that, because, you know, Danny and I were working to the bone during those times. And I really think we could have done it differently and we probably should have done it differently so that we didn't have that mindset of thinking it's not fair. I'm so tired. I'm so exhausted. So in times like this, it's really a great opportunity to speak with your accountant It's the, as I spoke with Mel Brown about, it's the importance of understanding your numbers. So while we thought we couldn't afford extra staff to cover for us, to give us a day or even just a morning off, it may really be worth the investment for your own sanity and mental health to take the leap and to hire somebody to give you that break so that you don't burn out and you don't um, douse the flame of your excitement, enthusiasm, or your passion. You need to kind of remain excited about what you do and, you know, don't have too many of those moments where you're sort of questioning it. So yeah, really speak to your accountant and work out if staff or if hiring somebody is a possibility, even if it is, like I said, just for the morning or for one or two days a week, just to give you some time to kind of recap and take some time for yourself. 
So you really don't want to squash that enthusiasm. And make sure it's within budget, but that's where your accountant can help you, of course. Speaking about staff too, like that's probably why. So my mum and Danny's mum helped us out a lot during that time, but we were still in there during that period, obviously, because it's really busy. And then they were kind of our backup support. But we found it really tricky in our industry to find staff um, that we could who could be invested in what we did and and who knew about the product and where it came from and all of that sort of thing. Like, obviously, we needed to educate them and to help them to understand it all, but there's a lot to learn. There is a lot to learn, especially behind all of our product. Like, we weren't just selling food or coffee. We were selling pieces from all over the world that had a history and a story that needed to be told. So how we spoke to our customers and conveyed this to them was part of who we were and our brand story and we had to be able to educate them so it's not like we could just pull somebody off the street and say hey can you come and work for us for a few hours because what if they were asked questions how are they going to answer them Um, you know it's it was it's a big thing and there was a lot to learn so that was kind of where we struggled but I guess it, it probably could have been done of course like anything could have been done we could have taught them but for us it was probably more the financial side of it and that sort of thing and we didn't probably speak to our accountant enough Um, but so good old mum and Veronica they jumped in to give us a hand (laughs) but they that that was where it was easier to have them as well because they'd obviously sort of watched us and been part of this whole process so they kind of already had that level of understanding that they could pass on to the customers if required but I it's funny I think back to that Christmas period time and there are some really vivid memories that stick in my mind and it's funny sometimes I Danny and I talk about it a lot actually so one example was um, we had these Uh, or one summer in particular I there are some things in the stores that I had that I didn't love but I knew that they would sell and uh, it was actually Annette who said you need to have this they sell so well like especially like during holiday periods and with you know all of the holiday trade all of that sort of thing so you've got to get it and I thought okay I'll get these in so they were gone to the beach signs and metal fish and gone surfing and all those sorts of things and I'm thinking okay if I can merchandise these accordingly and get them to fit in with the style of the store then it won't be too bad I personally wouldn't have one but I know that a lot of people do Um, and this is where I had to put my commercial hat on so and I had to realize that I had to merchandise them so that they still fit into the theme of the store if they were going to stick out like a sore thumb and they were you know really ugly and all that sort of thing I would never have bought them but I knew that I could make them work along with the theme so it was fine but 
there was one day in particular I remember the store was so busy like it Huskisson can get so incredibly busy like it's just crazy the phone line goes down the FPOS machines go down that's a really fun experience when that happens and you're on the phone to merchant services for two hours or however long it is and with no help um yeah, so it's really, really busy. But this one day, oh, and we used to have a cash register. And so we had a cash register where you actually manually had to type in all of the numbers, obviously. But then we had an A4 index book that we had next to the cash register where we used to write every single thing down that we'd sold that day. So that like, you know, if I needed to do reorders and things like that, I'd be able to kind of scan that list to see what I needed to reorder and all of that sort of thing. It was a very, very manual process. There wasn't any inventory system in place or anything like that. Everything was very manual. And then at the end of the day, we'd print out our daily totals and staple that um, that list to that page and off we go on to the next one. But I remember this day, I think we'd written already three or four pages of product. It was crazy. And it was just gone to the beach after gone to, gone to, or gone surfing or gone fishing or gone to the beach, gone to the beach and photo ladder frame, whatever it might be, some metal fish, like one after the other. And just like walking out the door, it was just crazy. There were people lined up at the counter Veronica or mum, whoever it was standing next to me, were frantically wrapping things with tissue paper or gift wrapping, whatever it was that their customers requested. And it was just crazy. And in the middle of all of this, I had my first furniture sale. And (laughs) I just, it's not really how I was imagining it would happen, but a customer came up to the counter and they said there was probably about 50 people in the store so we actually sold two pieces that day so that both in very different situations so the first one came up to the counter and said oh, I'd really love to take that I'd really love to buy that piece of furniture and I was like wow my first piece of furniture oh my gosh this is so exciting <laughs> and then they said oh can you um deliver and I said ah oh, deliver Ah, okay. Hang on a second. Um, we hadn't really thought about that <laughs> in all of our naivety. We just kind of assumed that people would just pick it up or I could organize a removal list and that sort of thing. But it wasn't until I actually went through the process of trying to organize that removal list that I realized how expensive that is and that it's not as easy as what it seems. So Generally, how a removalist works is they have a a flat rate, so a base rate, and that's usually sort of around $220. So if somebody local buys a piece of furniture and they they can't pick it up and they need it delivered, they're not going to want to pay $220 to have it delivered, you know, five or 10 minutes around the corner. It's just a, it's a, that's just not you know going to be appealing to them so that was an issue that we hadn't really thought of um so it was you know freight in the furniture and homewares industry is really tricky it can be really tricky they're We've got big, bulky pieces, all different shapes and sizes, and it's expensive. 
they're fragile and awkward. We've got things like mirrors or breakables, things with glass, all those sorts of things. And a lot of these big things often require two men to deliver them or to pick them up and have to be blanket wrapped and all of that sort of thing. Um, you know, it's there's a lot involved behind the scenes in terms of getting that piece ready to be delivered to a customer. So that was definitely not something that we had really considered that we definitely should have. But obviously going into it, um, not understanding how everything worked, really posed a challenge for us. Since then, We've really refined our systems and processes when it comes for delivery. And we're still working on that. Even from the 12 years of experience that we've had, there's always something to learn when it comes to freight and delivery. And I know in the in my Trade Winds online course, I cover a, a whole kind of module on this and speak about the different options that we have and, and you know, the, all of the different factors that you need to think about um, in order to make that delivery seamless and as easy as possible for the customer. But so, yeah, now we've got our refined systems and processes. We know how to treat different deliveries or particular deliveries and we know which what kind of questions to ask and all of those sorts of things in in um, so that we can achieve the right result in terms of what of that delivery and and how it is delivered to the customer engaging removalists too they can be really handy um, especially obviously and you will have to use them but it was more just sort of I guess trying to secure that local delivery like I had a Holden, a Holden Astra hatchback, a silver hatchback, and Danny had a um, Land Rover Discovery, which was pretty good for a little while because, you know, the seats could fold down and we could fit a fair bit in there. So we always kind of thought we could use that if we needed to. But when somebody buys like a two and a half metre sideboard, that's not going to fit in there. <laughs> so where do we put it? And with my hatchback, I was like, I don't know why, but I was always just so stubborn and I just didn't want to sell it. Danny's, Danny was always hassling, we need a van, we need a van. Um, and for some reason, I don't know why, we just, we just didn't buy one straight away. So I don't know why we put ourselves through so much hell, I guess, in terms of you know, organizing the, these deliveries or doing these deliveries um, when we could have just made it so much easier for them. For, for ourselves um, Danny would often borrow his brother's van um, which you know obviously was not ideal not really wanting to borrow anything to do things for our business but um, he was borrowing his brother's van and his brother's van was a people mover. It wasn't a furniture delivery van. So every time that we had to do a delivery, Danny would have to go over to his brother's house. They'd have to spend half an hour or an hour taking out the seats and storing them somewhere and then getting the van for delivery, then driving back to the store and loading the piece of furniture in or whatever it was and then doing his deliveries. And uh, I remember one time he'd left early 
uh, they'd, they'd gotten the van ready and he'd left early one morning for a delivery that he had to make to Sydney. So often we would drive to Sydney to deliver um, to Sydney customers or to depots. So the, um, the furniture depots would then take that you know, into interstate and different parts of Australia. So this one morning I get this phone call and he rings me and he says, you'll never guess what happened. And I say, what? He's like, I've just hit a kangaroo. And I'm like, no, oh no. It was just, he's like, the whole front of the car had been bashed in, the radiator was damaged and the van was basically out of action for weeks. It could have even been months. I can't remember exactly, but I just remember it was such a big deal and it was just we felt so bad and Danny felt awful and he basically put his foot down after that and said we are buying a van (laughs) so I sold my Astra and we bought a van we bought a Hyundai iLoad van and we had it all sign written uh, with few and far written on the side, this beautiful paisley pattern, all in vinyl. It looked beautiful. The only problem was we actually ended up starting to sell so much more furniture that we outgrew it within six months. So we, within six months of finally making that decision that had taken us so long to make, we had to trade it in for a bigger one. And everybody knows what happens when you buy a brand new car and you drive out of the car yard you basically lose five thousand dollars in that minute (laughs) so that was I could say that would be would have been a fairly expensive mistake (laughs) but that's another good case of understanding your numbers so don't wait too long to make these kinds of decisions the longer you wait the more they will cost you so again continue to speak with your accountant to make sure that you know, you're not making life difficult for yourself. Be calculated about your decisions and then make a decision. If you're unsure, speak with your accountant. But I know the situation now is that we almost have a fleet of vehicles. We've got two large trucks and two large vans. Um, they've they've got a vinyl they're vinyl wrapped with all of our branding they look amazing and if we ever need to trade them in we just peel that vinyl straight off and they look brand new because that was the thing with our iLoad we had the way that it was sign written it had all these like little bits of vinyl stuck all over it so when we had to sell it we were standing there with hair dryers and you know trying to peel off these little individual pieces of vinyl without scratching it it was a nightmare (laughs) so yeah definitely don't take too long to make these decisions and when you do buy quality make sure like I've always believed buy once buy well Um, otherwise it's just going to cost you in the long run so really do your research about what you need and you know buy the good brands and you know treat them as an investment into your business because you're going to have these things for a long time and they're going to really serve you well so really 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 do your research for that And when it comes to having to engage removalists, because obviously you can't 
deliver everything yourself. And like I said, we were delivering to depots and things because you will have sales that need to go interstate and all around Australia. So there are a lot of um, freight companies that you can actually drop the furniture to and then they will on on deliver it for you. But I remember um, on one occasion we had engaged a removalist and... We had sent off all of the uh, like the furniture to them, dropped it to their depot, and then we'd had a call, or it might have been a letter, I can't remember exactly, a couple of weeks later, saying that well, our, our customer firstly hadn't received their delivery. So what happens is usually when you drop a, your you know goods off to the depot, they, they then take on the responsibility of calling your customer to advise them of when that delivery will occur. And this customer hadn't received their goods. So in the meantime, we found out that this removalist company had gone bust and they had no idea where any of our product was or our furniture that we had dropped off. And it was, wasn't until weeks later that we actually found out, yes, it was still in their depot, but no, we couldn't have it back because it was being held for debt recovery. There was thousands of dollars worth of furniture. I think there was like three and a half to four thousand dollars. And back then, that was a huge amount of money for us, just lost because, as you know, we were counting every penny. So that was such a, a, a big deal. And the biggest thing was most of our furniture are one of a kind pieces. So it's not like we could even replace that piece of furniture for the customer. It was just so disappointing and really, really upsetting. And Oh, it was yeah a huge lesson. So really do your research in terms of who you're working with. Make sure they're reputable and that they're well established. I know there's not a lot you can do in that case, but just kind of go with your gut feelings on those things as well. And make sure that you have insurance. Obviously, I know that we, I know that we were insured, but I can't remember if we got anything back from that. We may not have had the correct insurance that covered that. So. Yeah, make sure you're looking into your insurance for that. So the second piece of furniture that we sold on that day, just going back there again, (laughs) as I said, it was such a busy day. There were so many people in the store. There was probably about, yeah, yeah, I wouldn't even know how many people. It was just so packed. But there was so many people in there and then the other person that wanted to buy a particular piece of furniture, they wanted to take it with them, but they wanted to take it with them there and then. And of course, I've said yes, because you'll do anything right to sell a piece of furniture. And so I'm quickly helping them while mum or Veronica has stayed back at the cash register to continue to serve the other people who were, you know, coming through the store. So I've cleared it all off and got that ready and helped them carry them carry that out to the car. But then there's this like gaping big hole where there used to be a furniture in the store and I didn't have anything to replace it with. I didn't have any spare pieces of furniture or anything big that I could put there and I I thought, okay, I didn't really allow for this. (laughs) What am I going to do here? So, you know, just trying to make it neat and tidy and fix that spot up. But obviously my priority would be to 
to have that merchandising fixed up and, and to get something back in that spot because especially during this time when it's so busy and you've got so many people coming through the store and so many eyes on your brand it's really important that it's being portrayed in the right way and that you know it looks beautiful so that was a little bit stressful for me not having you know that replacement piece and the issue with that too is a lot of the suppliers that you buy from um, in Australia over the Christmas period they usually close for a a couple of weeks Um, so and for us being in the regional area and having that really crazy time when a lot of the um, stores in the city and that are closed we had nowhere you couldn't just place a reorder and have that delivered that week you had to kind of wait until first end of the first week or second week of January so that's why you have to be really prepared in terms of how much stock that you have and how you can slot that in if something happens like that same goes for you know larger pieces like artwork and all of that side of things anything that's going to affect your merchandising and so just leading on to merchandising in terms of how you buy and or how we buy, um, coming up to the Christmas period as well, obviously I'm talking about having extra stock for you know, all of the people coming through and how to merchandise that um, and having stock of that in the back room so that you can keep your replenishment stock up to date. But the way that we've always done it is with everything that we do, we always try to think big. So I've always believed in merchandising en masse and you know having multiples of things, but that's just me, that's my style. But that's where you have to decide. Are you a minimalist or are you a maximalist or what is your style? Because you can't be halfway. You have to make a decision and you have to go with it. If you decide that you want If you're not a minimalist and there's completely nothing wrong with being a minimalist, there's some beautiful minimal stores and, you know, so um, sophisticated and really beautifully laid out and merchandised. But the nature of our store is definitely not minimalist. So the way that I like to merchandise is en masse and have, you know, plentiful tables full of product and you know lots of different layers and all that sort of thing I'm not conservative when it comes to my stock and the stock levels where we always like to think of of you know our stores as a full tree of fruit so it always needs to um, yeah it needs to look full and it needs to look um, the way that you merchandise needs to be confident so if you're confident in how you buy and how you display your product then the product will almost speak for itself um, it's like for example when I go to a trade fair so you know when we buy at a trade fair we'll kind of have a look around at the different brands and then you know depending on which one we go with you know you you have minimums that you have to buy in but Somebody might say to you, okay, I'll say, okay, I'll buy that coaster and it comes in sixes or whatever it might be. And they say, okay, well, would you like six? And I'm like, no, I think I'll have 36. (laughs) That just is, that's just the way that I like to do things, but I'm confident in that product. And so I want that product to appear confident when it's displayed in my store. 
And it also allows you to gauge how that product is selling as well. So you need to merchandise according to your brand story. If, if you're a minimalist brand, then obviously you can have just one or two items, but obviously making sure you've got the stock in the back room. But if you are not minimalist, you need to have you know, obviously be confident and to buy the larger numbers of things and go with it. But when I say invest in sort of more stock or be generous in terms of how much stock you have, you always need to also have a backdoor. So we always have a backdoor in terms of if something doesn't work, then you've just got to move it. So put it on sale, get rid of it and start again. So always have a backdoor, always be prepared. Um, but really our merchandising hasn't really changed in principle over the 12 years that we've been open. The product has that we sell, like I know that that has evolved along with, you know, trends and things that have changed over the years, but the way that we merchandise hasn't, it's always been the same in terms of buying multiples of things and how we display it. That's sort of, I guess, some of those errors and I, I guess tips that I could provide for you. But I guess in summary for preparing for that end of year rush, make sure you're stocked up with all of your best sellers. So especially in the gifting area. So, you know, candles, soaps, body products, any like kind of kitchenware, mugs, all those sorts of things, plus any larger pieces that could leave a hole in your display, such as furniture or artwork. Just make sure you've got, you know, a couple of spares or something that you can put in place of a large item that might sell. I would always usually start my Christmas buying from October, so making sure that I'm prepared well in advance and always make sure that you have all of your policies and procedures in place in regards to freight and delivery and how you are going to go about that process, realizing that, yes, you will need to organize these things for people <laughs> and do you have enough staff? So even if you plan to work each and every day yourself, do you have backup in case you get sick or you need help or it's busier than you expected and all of that sort of thing? So there are quite a few things to consider. But yes, it is a busy period of year, but advice is to always make the most of it. And in order to make the most of it, you really, really need to plan ahead and plan well. So again, I hope that I've been able to inspire you, but also show you some of the very rookie errors that we've made along the way and how you can learn from those. And I know that I've always said that, you know, I wouldn't change a thing about my business journey, which I wouldn't, but even with all of those mistakes and things like that, I know that there are things that we could have done a lot better, but I wouldn't have really known that without having made those mistakes. But what I hope is that by telling you and advising you of those mistakes, that you don't have to make those mistakes and you can learn from my mistakes rather than having to make them yourself. I understand that the majority of us are still in lockdown in New South Wales and Victoria, 
but I'm really well I really have my fingers crossed that when we open up sort of hopefully come October there's going to be that big spending spree and everybody's going to be so excited about shopping up a storm which is why it's even more important to make sure that you've got your systems and processes in place for you know combating those challenges and also making sure that you're ready with your stock and your best sellers and your replacement pieces your staff all of those sorts of things And for those of you who have a business or if you don't have a business and wanted to start one and you're still a little bit unsure about how to go about all of this, I'm opening up my Trade Wins course for launch on the 6th of October and I would really love to welcome you in. If you have any questions, please don't hesitate to get in touch with me. Send me an email or we can set up a 15-minute phone call. But I'd love to have you in there. Um, And otherwise, I hope you've gotten a lot from this episode and have taken away from some of those challenges and rookie errors that we've experienced. I'm looking forward to chatting again next week. Thank you for joining me this week on the Trade Wins podcast. If you enjoyed this episode or have found value in this podcast, I'd love you to leave me a review on iTunes or to share it on Instagram and Facebook for your friends. To see what special pieces of the world we've brought home, make sure you visit our website at fewandfar.com.au or pop into one of our beautiful stores located in Huskisson, Berry, or Barrel in New South Wales. And if you're thinking about starting your own retail business but aren't sure where to begin or you have an existing business you want to grow, head over to my website tarasolberg.com for more information on my Trade Wins online course where I share everything I wish I had known when I was first starting out in business. I look forward to you joining me again for our next episode. Thank you for listening.